When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. Stories connect people, and so does music. Music is everywhere. My guest today, Dave Huey, is a talented musician. He is a member of the street band Black Sheep Ensemble. They play for festivals, parades, charity events, and even parties. Imagine having a hobby that can bring a crowd to life. A hobby and a passion that brings joy not only to yourself, but also to others. Have you ever wondered what a street band is, or even how someone would get started in a street band? We will hear Dave's story, how he got started, and what it's all about. Thank so you. glad to have you here today. So Dave is our neighbor, and so um, not only is he a podcast guest today, but he is our neighbor, and, and like I said, he is a talented musician. I first heard Dave in the Atlanta Beltline Lantern Parade last year, and so when I started thinking about the podcast, I absolutely wanted to have Dave on, and you to hear a little bit about his story. So Dave, glad you're here today. Thank you. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little about you? I got started in music um, very young age. I think I was fifth grade recorder that moved on to sixth grade saxophone. And Did bassoon. everybody play the recorder in the fifth grade? Yeah, everybody <laughs> played the recorder in the fifth grade. You either sang or played the recorder. And I was never quite a singer and you know picked it up rather quick. And uh, yeah, I joined the band and went through and I couldn't really hone in on one instrument. I love to pick up a bunch of different instruments and try to play as many things as I could. And that moved from the saxophone to the bassoon, to the baritone saxophone, and then to the tuba, uh, played a little drums and, you know, played music all the way through high school and through the first year of college. And then after that, I put it down. Um, I thought I wanted to be a professional musician and do it all the time, but it was a uh, quite intimidating seeing all these, you know, wonderful musicians that honestly, I look back now, I really wasn't competing with them, you know, but at the time you're young and you think, eh, you know, I'm not as good as them. And so I put it down and yeah, I didn't pick it back up again for roughly 19 years. And I actually heard... Wow, 19 years. 19, yeah. And it actually started, um, you know, when my wife was constantly asking me to play again and, you know, you can play all these different instruments. I've never heard you play. And then I actually heard... Black Sheep Ensemble playing, ironically enough, at a lantern parade for the city of Decatur. And I just really liked their music. I liked their look. I liked everything that they were doing, but most of the fact that everybody around them was dancing and having fun. And it was just very in the moment. 
like I said, music brings people to life, right? <laughs> brings them right to life. And I, uh, yeah, so I was listening to their music and I really liked their sound and everything they were doing. I was watching the other tuba players and sousaphone players and I was following along and it was all just kind of coming back to me. And then that passion really, you know, came back in a big way. So I inquired um, through Black Sheep Ensemble's website, which was very welcoming, and said, hey, you know, if you want to play or you like our sound and you want to try out, come you know, give us a, give us a shout. So I did. And that was, you know, 2016, 2015. So it's been about four years and it's been fantastic. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. We've played everything. My experiences with them, we played everything, like you said in the intro, from festivals to parades, but also birthday parties, surprise birthday parties, um, funerals, um, all the way up to uh, Mardi Gras down in New Orleans. So I want you to tell us quite. a little bit about a couple of those stories. So um, let's hold that for just a second. So what does Black Sheep Ensemble even mean? How did the band get their name? Well, the two founders, Drew and Julie Stoss, they were playing with the Seed and Feed Marching Abominable Band, which has been around since the mid-70s. They practice in little five points, and they are just an amazing group of musicians. But they wanted to start their own band a little smaller and play slightly edgier music. And, you know, the Black Sheep, you know, kind of motif and the look and everything is just the fact that we wander, I guess, and we can play and different locations. We don't have to have amplification. We don't have to have a stage. We don't have to have anything at all except people to listen. And, and that's, instruments. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, no, yeah, in that sense, of course. And they, they got their name just because they can roam about and they, you know, we try to be a little bit, you know, improvisational at some of our gigs. So, and, you know, the black sheep where we were all kind of have our own stories in the band of being somewhat of an outcast or, you know, somewhat different than, you know, your normal cut of the cloth. Oh, that's so, so awesome. And that's, and that was another reason why I felt like I fit, you know, right from the beginning. I just had a lot of passion. So all that musical, you know, spirituality, I guess, came back very quick. And, you know, we rehearse once a week and go out and play and play you know, gigs up until recently, you know, every, uh, you know, probably twice a month. So it's been great. So what, what makes a, a street band and how is that different from maybe any other band? Or So I know you said, you know, you kind of, you're ro- you roam and you can kind of go anywhere. You just have the instruments. Is there anything else that kind of is the definition of a street band? Well, street band really kind of started from busking your classic playing, you know, musician playing with his hat turned upside down or his case open. And, you know, a lot of our roots of our band and in general with street bands uh, really goes back to New Orleans second line bands that play, again, everything from, you know, funerals to weddings to just going out and having a group of musicians all standing around a corner and they're playing. And, you know, the nice thing is, is they are mobile. You know, if you're busking, then... You don't just stay in one spot. If the crowd leaves, you want to get up and move, you know, a couple blocks away to a different place. And, you know, with those origins, you know, that's kind of where, you know, a street band, you know, comes about is it's it's not a stage. It's not rigid. It's not something where you pull up and you have to, you know, hook up a bunch of wires and have power. And, you know, you can't, it rains a little bit, you know, you have to run inside. It allows, you know, musicians just to get together and start playing out in the public and, yeah, I mean, being out amongst people and everything is, is 
kind of why you do it. You know, a lot of it's a lot of self-fulfillment, but there's nothing better than looking out and seeing a lot of people enjoying life and enjoying having a good time because of what you're doing. So that really kind of, um, you know, leads into the, you know, very definition and the core of it. Yeah, so. so I know when, well, just hearing music that, you know, you love the beat or you hear a band and you just immediately want to start dancing and moving with the music and uh, certainly uh, something like a street band that's so alive. And so is there a style? Well, we are kind of a sky, you know, Balkan music mixed in with Bollywood. Uh, we do some Cap Calloway songs. We do some 20s, you know. So our style and what we like to do is we like to mash up, you know, songs where you take two different songs that traditionally you really wouldn't play together and put them together if they're the same beat and they have the same feel and transition to them. And often we'll try to mix in something that maybe people really aren't familiar with and then suddenly move into a song that everyone suddenly says, oh, wait, I know this. I know this song. You know, big example is a song we play called Bubamara. And the you know origin and the beginning of the song is very, you know, like a Balkan type music, which is, you know, Eastern European. Yeah. And it has a lot of, it has a lot of movement. It's very fast. It's very festive. And then suddenly we drop the beat pretty much in half and we move right into Rage Against the Machine. And people, emit, you know, when they hear that Rage hook, you know, they get moving. And they're already jumping around, but they're like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> but, you know, the song's kind of... You know, because it kind of feels like it's getting frantic and off the rails and getting faster and faster, and then it just goes back down. And that's uh, that's what we'll do. And then sometimes we just kind of play straight arrangements of you know one song. Uh, one of them is a national anthem by Radiohead. Oh. So people, you know, immediately will hear that, and they people they're like, oh yeah, that's a street band, and they play Radiohead. They just they pull it off. It sounds great. We're always trying to play, you know, new stuff. We're one of the few street bands where we have music, actual printed music, and we read music. A lot of street bands, you know, go strict with uh, improvisation, you know, you know, and no one's looking at music. They just kind of let the feel happen. We have probably 40 or 50 songs now in our playbook. And oftentimes getting together what we're going to play is you know, quite a challenge just because we have, Especially with so many. we have such a, you know, large book of, uh, of uh, tunes that we, you know, will play on a chronic basis. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, often, you know, like I said, unlike a lot of other bands, you know, we have, you know, I use a little, you know, d tablet, like a Kindle or something, and I have all my little music and, you know, just, we have our set list. And then if people want to keep going, we'll just play through it till we can't go anymore. <laughs> You know, we're a brass band. We have brass, we have, you know, you know, saxophone, you know, a lot of drums and a lot of bass. And we kind of let that drive. And then when we... So you playing the tubas yeah, the Sousa, what you play? Yeah, it's a, technically it's a sousaphone, which if anyone's wondering the difference between the two, it's just the fact that the sousaphone is stretched out, formed into a circle, and so that you can walk with it. Uh, and it was developed by John Philip Sousa. But yeah, 
that's uh, what I play as a sousaphone. And so you bring a lot of the the big bass to the music, right? Right. And right. so what happens if you miss a beat? Or what's the importance of, of your instrument in, overall in the band? Well, it's pretty much the, you know, the base of the house, you know, in the, the, you know, base construction of anything. Uh, myself and the drums, we provide both the time and the groove. And, you know, that's just kind of how we look at it. Whenever, it is funny, whenever our, our time is slightly off, whether, you know, whether we're getting faster or we're getting slower or it's anything, you know, Everyone kind of, you know, the drums and I immediately look at each other and try to get linked up, you know, and at least we play at the same beat. And that really is what we bring, you know, even when a lot of the other instruments solo, you know, they'll get out and they'll play a bunch of solos and um, we're in the background the whole time, you know, keeping it going. It's almost like if I wasn't there, there's a giant hole in the music and it just doesn't happen and I mean there's bands that you know don't have a bass or maybe don't even have drums but you know one thing that you have to have is 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 keeping time and a groove which means you know the drums are going along and just giving that steady steady click and then I'm kind of walking it along shadowing them backing it up or we'll you know alternate beats you know if I drop out you know miss a beat or something like that when I come back in I just got to come back in at the right time and uh you know, if, if you know if, if it happens, you just kind of drop out and move right back into it. Um, so, for soloists, it takes takes a lot of courage. And what I really enjoy is making sure that you know myself and the drums that we are assisting them and that we're helping them, and that you know even if they play a squeaky note or something or mess up, you know we're right behind them and we're keeping the beat going. Sometimes if a soloist you know needs to take you know, a quick break or something as something's going on, you know, the drums and I might pick up and play a few extra notes, play a few extra beats just to fill in the gap. The funny thing about music, though, is silence is probably the most powerful note that you can play. Is that right? To me, Talk yeah. Talk about that. If you can just, like if a band's going along and they're playing and all of a sudden they just all stop playing in unison and then start playing again in unison a couple of beats later, that has the most dramatic effect of anything else. You How know, many people are in the band generally? Uh, generally, um, you know, it fluctuates between gigs, probably about 15 to 20. Um, we usually have uh, at least four to five percussionists, and we have a bass drum, we have snare drum, we have a, um, tenor drums, which are a bunch of different um, tonal drums, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. We have um, a dedicated crash cymbal, and she is amazing. She's also one of our vocalists. Uh, on tuba, we usually have, you know, as little as just me, all the way up to four or five. And, you know, saxophones, uh, two to three saxophones, two to three trombones, two to three trumpets. And sometimes that varies. You know, like I say, depending on the gig or availability of people, we've, you know, come to gigs and we've had five, six trombonists and one saxophone. And we just adjust just make it work don't play as loud because the <laughs> saxophone is where you know you'll drown them out and that's um and that's you know always the the you know the, the i guess the the dissonance the struggle you know amongst musicians is you know you start playing this and it gets really emotional and next thing you know you're playing loud and then next thing you know you can drown out the rest of the band and that's one thing that uh you know the drums and i of course try 
to do is we try to facilitate the lead instruments. We try to keep, again, the base of the house, the very structure of the song, and keep that intact. So even if there are times when, you know, we're off or we're not in the right place, we, if we stay together, we can at least help get the band back on track or just, you know, give a, you know, indication like, oh, this is the part of the song where we're at. What about, like, a cool event? Um, is there one in particular that stands out? Well, there's one, yes. We recently got to play um, as part of the Midtown Business Alliance's um you know, annual meeting. They had a breakfast and it was at the Fox Theater and it was early in the morning. It was pouring down rain and incredible venue. <laughs> the, the, the venue for Atlanta. I mean, I'm an Atlanta native. You know, I grew up here. I remember looking at the Fox when I was, you know, could hardly walk. I'm an and, Atlanta native as oh, well. We are, we're Born and raised here. Only place I've ever lived. We're one of about 14 that's left, you know, I think in existence. Um, but yeah, we went there and we had an opportunity to play up in the Egyptian ballroom. We got to see the apartment in the Fox where the ghost of the Fox Theater lived for so many years. And we got to walk in. You know, this was Fat Tuesday, 7 a.m. and playing, you know, classic New Orleans, you know, second line tunes. And next thing you know, again, everybody was up and everybody was moving. At and seven it, o'clock in the morning. It's seven o'clock <laughs> in the morning in their in their in their business attire, you know, clutching a cup of orange juice. And we got to lead them down the stairs out to the Fox Theater and we got to get up on stage and play, you know, two or three songs at the Fox, you know, looking out. I mean, the perspective of being on the stage and looking out amongst the seats, whereas, you know, I've been has to be unbelievable <clears throat> an unbelievable feeling. Amazing. And I and I would I was looking around trying to find the seats of, you know, that I had sat in previously for events, you know, and trying to get that feeling of, of how different it is. And when you're on stage, one, the, the, the neatest thing about it is it, it makes the fox feel very intimate. Like it makes it seem small. Like I could see everyone's face sitting in their seats. What a perspective. And you, it's, it was amazing. And you look up and we didn't even play that long. I mean, I, you know, I went to work that day, you know, just like it was any, you know, other normal day. And, um, but yeah, that was electric. And there's this great neon sign that says, um, play it pretty for Atlanta by, uh, Ronnie Van Zant. And it was up there and you see that and you're like, yeah, that I'm, I'm on the stage with, you know, some of the greatest musicians of all time. And I have a little piece of that. That probably had to be the coolest, you know, event when it comes to you know, feels and whatnot, and really saying... What an opportunity. As far as fun gigs, uh, I mean, we we were invited to the Chewbacca's Parade um, down in New Orleans. Last year was our first time we went, and we've now been two years in a row. And that is just, I mean, that's amazing, except it didn't last for 15 minutes to 7 a.m. It was probably a four or five hour parade. It was It was exhausting, but to be there at, you know, kind of part of where it all started and just yeah, right. amongst all of these people in this great city that's just been you know torn down brought back up and you know to be a part of that parade culture that they have there is was amazing and to be a part of it well, what reaction do you get from people a lot of times um i have to say and this has been great almost every single time it's always positive you know we either start playing, you know, this is, you know, talking to people beforehand, you know, they're always like, oh, what time are you guys playing? Where are you playing at? You know, because I'm, 
And I'm a fairly large guy, and I'm walking with a huge sousaphone, so it's hard to miss. Well, um, that was that was us when we went to the Atlanta Beltline Parade. We were we were sitting there waiting for y'all to come through. Yeah, always had people tell us, you know, that was a lot of fun. You know, thanks. That was that was neat. It was almost like they. You know, now with a lot of the mediums and electronic music and, you know, electronic music playing, which which I love, by the way. You know, I think it's fantastic. We are, you know, literally playing a wind instrument or a drums, you know, without the aids of microphones or out without, you know, any type of electronic filters or anything. So that is the feedback that mostly that they give us is, you know, that was unique. And, you know, normally they're walking and they're moving and, you know, having fun. So... That is, and we we. That has to be rewarding to see what you're doing bring out the uh, joy in other people. And it's it's a huge reason why I do it is to feel like you're part of enabling someone's happiness, and then you are also doing something that makes you intrinsically feel very valuable. You know, just amongst yourselves. I mean, besides the obvious, you know, that it's fun and whatnot, but it it feels great to see people smile um we played a funeral and for and it was like we do a lot of we do a lot of surprise gigs i guess you could say like people you know we've done surprise birthday parties and the um actually the fox gig was not you know they were like hey kind of keep your instruments down you know come file in but part of this is that you know we're going to be you know we're going to surprise people um but we played a funeral and we literally were sneaking, you know, kind of in the back of the church and went up where the choir was because the uh, deceased man was a big New Orleans second line music. Just he loved it, loved that sound. And his sister reached out to us. So we snuck in to the back of the church. You know, it has all the elements of being a bad thing. You know, you're sneaking into the back of the church and, you know, in the middle of a funeral. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you creep up and we're there where the, uh, where the choir is supposed to be. And she came out and kind of finished her eulogy and said, you know, hey, this is for, you know, I think his name was Tom. And then we immediately went into, you know, when the saints go marching in. And I, then... I mean, I'm like just <clears throat> moved by you sharing the story and it just gives me chills. I can't imagine being in the, at the funeral hearing that. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, right when we first came out, you know, there were a lot of tears and then we did what part of what a second line does, you know, during a funeral, you know, traditionally they will dirge, I guess, or play a soft song when they're leading, you know, the, the, the grieving, you know, parties to wherever the funeral is. And then afterwards, you know, they play more upbeat songs and kind of get everyone going, you know, where it goes from the transition to death to the celebration of life and getting everyone going. And, you know, there were a lot of tears and then a lot of hooting and hollering a lot of people getting up and moving and then we played off fly away which is you know one of my favorite songs everyone knows that everyone can sing it and that was truly unique at an event like that for you and the band to bring such life to the group that had to feel incredible for for the people that were there but for you all as the band too yeah like a celebration of life and that's what you know, we want to do is remind people, you know, through our music, you know, being out there and how we play and, you know, the energy that, you know, we are alive. And, you know, you only get one, one go around and you better just have the most fun that you can, you know. Make the most of it. Right. And one thing that was neat as far as the interaction with the people was, you know, you, 
they would come up and they would thank us for coming and playing and they were saying how much he would have liked it. I felt like every single person that was there appreciated us for doing that and being a part of it. Well, um, you said that it had been 19 years um, since you had played. So what has this brought to your life that might have been missing? Well, you know, I pretty much it helped with the, you know, like, like guilt kind of is like a it's like I always said, guilt's like a bag of bricks. You know, you just got to let it go at some time. And I'd always felt very guilty, I guess, for stopping playing. And, you know, I'd stopped playing, you know, you know, music was my life for, you know, so long. And then, you know, I kind of suffered some of my own, you know, tragedy. I had a couple of family members pass away, you know, both of my older sisters. And traditionally, you know, musicians, or a lot of them rather, the music is their voice and it kind of helps them heal and it, they'll they'll go to it as their comfort and their safe space. And to me, it was like a candle got blown out, mm-hmm. like that spirit was gone and I couldn't get it back. You know, I couldn't, you know, the music wasn't helping me heal in a way. You know, I'd pick it up, I'd start playing and it felt, you know, laborious. It was just... And then, yeah, I was, you know, a freshman in college looking at all these people, you know, and they played so well. And I was like, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to keep up with this? You know, it got so overwhelming. And so I just stopped and, you know, I put it down. And But for years and years and years, I would always see live bands or I'd see bands and I'd see musicians or I'd just think about, I'd hear a song. And in my head, I was always like, you know, God, I wish I could play that or God, I wish I could play because I remember that magic you get. When I finally started playing again, which, I mean, is all, honestly, I mean, it's, it's my wonderful wife, Robin. I mean, she, she got... such a nice lady. There wasn't any pressure or anything. It was just, you know, you, I think she could see I wanted to do it, you know, because she would see I would get excited about certain, mm-hmm. you know, things that I heard or music that I played. And, you know, it was funny, one of the first times we saw Black Sheep, one of the musicians, one of the bandmates was standing next to us when we were walking back to our car. And she's like, ask him, you know, ask him, see what would happen. Like what, you know, you you never, never hurts to ask. If you ask him and he says, no, we know we don't need new members or we don't, you know, need whatever, you know, it's, it's fine. You've lost nothing. And that's when I, you know, sent a message, you know, to the band. I sat there and I wrote, you know, probably eight or nine messages, you know, over. And then like, I was like trying to craft, like, how am I going to say like, Hey, I really like your band. I really want to come play. I've had a, you know, absence of music for this long. And what I found out after I got in the band is, is my story. There's a lot of people out there that were really involved in music and played in, you know, high school or played college. And then they just lose the group. They lose other people to play with. So I thought it was, you know, very unique and scary. And, you know, I was going to have to really, you know, practice hard and get in there. And they're like, no, man, be consistent. You know, if you're going to show up, show up. You know, when I got in there and I started interacting with the other band members, you know, they were very welcoming and we're very supportive that's great yeah of of people just wanting again to get in and play music and you know some of them they are i mean you know there's members in my band i mean they're professional musicians they're professional recording artists and when i first got there i started getting that feeling i did you know when i was a freshman in college like you know i'm not cut out i'm just not you know it's too late i'm not good enough anymore and all of them after the first rehearsal, we're like, hey, man, it's great that you're here. You know, I hope you come back, you know, practice your part. If you have any questions, let me know. 
And then the first gig I played with them, it was, was fun. That incredible. It was. <laughs> Um, as far as how well I played, I was horrendous. I mean, I'll just flat out say. I doubt that. Oh, it was, I was, you know, I, you know, I got up there and it was, you know, it was just, a, you know, you haven't played in front of an audience for, you know, coming up on two decades. And then, you know, as far as what, you know, how well I played, played my notes and everything, it wasn't that good. But that energy of the people, I mean, they, they didn't seem to know that I wasn't playing well. You know, it could be because, you know. Knew because- well, I know. Have high standards. Right. And I think those standards of, you know, kind of saying like, all right, if I'm going to get out there and play, I want to play well. But also, like, I owe it to these people with the amount of energy they're giving to me. I went back and, you know, just started practicing. I mean, just like anything else, you know, the more you kind of work at it and chip away and do all the fundamentals, it gets easier. But practicing also with other people so that if you do make a mistake, one, you can recover. You know, some of the most courageous musicians I see are these single buskers who are out there singing or playing or playing the the guitar all by themselves or playing the piano. I mean, that is courageous, you know, because if something happens and they make a little mistake, you know, they've got to be able to recover and they've got to be able to look, you know, good doing it. So how has the... um being quarantined or isolated, how has that impacted the band? Luckily, we have some pretty good, you know, communication mediums and whatnot. We've actually done a a video. You know, I think it's where the, you know, all the different musicians are in the different window panes and we're all playing at the same time. So we're doing a lot of vir- oh, that's creative. virtual recordings um, where we say, hey, we're going to take this song and we're going to play it, you know, video it with one, you know, device and then record the audio through another program to make it sound good. So that's really what we're working on to try to keep our chops up and try to keep, you know, the camaraderie together. I mean, not being able to play our normal gigs, I mean, it's it's tough. You know, you start thinking like, will we ever play a parade again? You know, because that's a large group of people and, you know, you can't really socially distance a parade. And then, you know, other gigs, I mean, there are a lot of musicians, I mean, a lot of people in general, just, you know, they're out of work overnight. And... No, for us, it's really, you know, been like where we're continuing, you know, to play and record as much as we can. Uh, Because at first we thought, oh, this might be three or four weeks and it's over, you know, just we were actually in the middle of we were going to record and do a video for uh, Bad Guy, the Billie Eilish song. That's one of our newest songs that we play and that's definitely a crowd favorite. Being a tuba player, I mean, it's got a great bass line, so... My daughter loves, you know, the song. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were going to shoot a video and, rec- you know, do an official recording of the song uh, because we have one album out that we've already, you know, recorded. It's on, you know, Spotify, Amazon, um, Apple. And we'll, Apple. Connect, the, we'll um, connect some of that in the show notes, too. Excellent. And, we're, you know, we were going to record that, and we were having, you know, we were just really excited about it. We were going to, we had it all planned out for the end of March, and... Right when everything the quarantine happened, we were like, okay, and we just kind of kept saying, you know, all right, let's just keep the recording date there. Like we don't know. And then as every day, it just kept unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. And now we're uh, strictly talking about just doing, you know, virtual recordings. We're right now working on a project in conjunction with another street band out in um, Texas called the Dead Music Capital Band. And so are y'all doing this remotely? Uh, we are. They we have picked a song and it's their arrangement of a very uh, 
you know, famous song a lot of bands will play called Ghost Town. And we are going to, you know, play it and record it. And then, you know, our audio engineers and stuff in that are in the band and in their band, they're going to try to sync it up. That's 40 incredible. and 50 people, you know, together on one song. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, we're looking forward to it and we hope it all comes together. It's, it's definitely a lot different, you know, I guess recording now, you know, virtually, you know, I'm pretty much doing it in my garage as you can hear. And, you know, I have, you we know, like hearing the, the tuba playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm really glad. I, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. Cause you know, I, I'd never, you know, done as much, you know, of the, the specifics of recording video and audio simultaneously. So I'll press play on, you know, my phone to get the video going and then press record on the, you know, garage band or, you know, whatever uh, program we're using. And then I have an earbud in, you know, listening to the song in the background. So it's, it's like multiple electronic devices all touching it. And, you know, I have my music up on one, you know, tablet and, and, you know, playing it and trying to get it all, you know, synchronized and not, again, you know, we, we move a lot when we play because, you know, when we play, a lot of people start moving to our music. So that's got to be the hardest thing is not starting to move around or boogie or dance while you're playing. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're playing off camera and you have to go over to a whole new start that I'm saying that because that happened to me the first couple of takes <laughs> on our, um, on our first, um, virtual song that we just got done, uh, recording. It was, uh, you know, you gotta be in the frame for the for the video. Uh, no, uh, yeah, and I, and I realized that I looked up and we we're about half, I was about halfway through the song, and I was like, I'm half out of the frame. So far, thankfully, that's the biggest challenge: is not uh, dancing out of frame on the video. Well, any other uh, things that you want to share? Well, mostly um, again, anyone out there that you know, if you played music at one time or another, and you know, especially in your younger years, and you want to get back into it and play again, keep trying, look for other people and play, you know, try to find a common musical theme or just folks that you can get get together and play with on a regular basis. Because that's really the key is, you know, with our busy schedules and lives, you'll suddenly start thinking, you know, oh, once a week, you know, getting in there practice, that's just a lot. And then you're pushing it out and then it's once a month. And then next thing you know, that candle blows out again. I love that they're starting to work with students now a lot earlier um, in life, you know, with music and not having it be this, you know, really structured musical curriculum. You know, I started teaching lessons to younger kids just, I was like, hey, you know what, I'm going to let you, I have a trombone or I have a, you know, cornet here or my you know, baritone. I you you play what you want for five minutes. You know, you can push all the buttons, you can blow on it, you can buzz on it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And then you got to give me five minutes and I'll tell you some stuff. And then we'll go back and forth just to get them. Well, that's such a creative approach to potentially get young people interested. I wanted to do that to let them try a bunch of different instruments to hopefully help the parents, you know, financially to invest in one that they would like and maybe have a little bit more success with. You know, I'm hoping to get past that initial you know, trying it out, you know, for, you know, a few lessons. That way they can hone in on an instrument they like, or maybe they'll play a little bit of all of them and then they don't know which one they like the most, which is honestly would be the best scenario. Well, I love that you have a heart for helping young people potentially find music 
And you've just brought, you know, so much, um, you know, such a great story just about your background and why you got into music and why, um, you know, you found it again. And so it's been really great. If our listeners want to find Black Sheep Ensemble, uh, tell us, tell us how they find you. Well, we have our, um, albums called uh, Chaos Agent. It's out on, um, you know, all the music platforms, Apple, you know, Spotify, it's on um, Amazon as well. And all that we ask is you guys, you know, like and share it. And that helps us support, you know, your local musicians. But yet, and also we, um, you can find us on Instagram and find us on Facebook. And we'll, we usually post videos and links. You know, our website is blacksheepensemble.com. You find us, follow us, share us, and it has great dividends for us. That's honestly, it's how musicians now generate revenue. Again, that helps us keep this thing going. So, yes, if you could uh, like and share the album, we would be very appreciative. Well, Dave, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being with us. It's been really great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, listen, rate, or share with others. I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.